Do you want the box or a boat? Yeah, I'll take the box. <laughs> take the box. <laughs> it can be anything. Leave me a boat. <laughs> <laughs> The Baker Mayfield sweepstakes are on once again mid-season. Who will get him this time? <laughs> so hey, we've got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down in Cork? I'm sure you're 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 you're, you're um, probably semi-mid-football at the moment, Sean, are you? Yes, there is unfortunately a World Cup game currently in extra time. Um, I won't I won't date the the recording by telling you what it is, but uh, I have it on mute and I'm fully focused on the NFL. Um, <laughs> 100%. Very good. Fortunately, Sean, for the people who are keeping a tight eye on the World Cup, is like, unless we're recording this in the future, there's only really one or two days that the uh, <laughs> football is actually on this week. But uh, yeah, like, well, it, it's all it's all very mysterious when we record these. But uh, yeah, similar well, to Sean, I'm. I was also going to say, given, given the fact that we've got like, late breaking news people will be able to place this one fairly quickly i'd imagine yeah 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 yeah. and even the baker thing might be outdated by the time you hear this you're probably uh he might be in his new home whether that be in i don't know houston or san francisco or whatever but uh yeah like yeah not nothing too exciting with myself uh winding down as we approach the holidays and uh just i just got the christmas party in a couple of weeks but that's about it for me to be honest yeah nothing massively too similar kind of in semi-wind-down mode one or two bits of doing work uh Got some got some plans this weekend. Uh, might have a Christmas party with the uh, Dublin Wolves, our flag football team, and uh, then kind of wrapping up for the year next week, Friday week. So uh, that'll be fun. And yeah, I had Sean up for the weekend. We had great fun. We got suits for Sean's wedding, and then we drank an inordinate amount of whiskey. It was uh, the the, <laughs> the only way to do things, I think. Um, but yeah, I suppose we'll move on straight into our, 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 our late breaking news here. Uh, Tennessee have fired their general manager, John Robinson. Comes as a bit of a surprise decision after seven years uh, of solid records. They've made the playoffs quite a number of times under his thing. He's won the division. I think this is likely looking like it'll be their third year in a row. Um, they were ever really able to make any big impact in the playoffs. They even got the number one seed last year. and But like, you know, they weren't really... They do well, but they're in a very crappy division and they've never really contending, I wouldn't say. Um, that said, like he's maybe not had the best record in draft in recent years. Got rid of their superstar wide receiver, AJ Brown, who's doing well elsewhere. Picked up Traylon Burks, who hasn't worked out fully for them. Had a couple of busts with like Isaiah Wilson and the likes. Um, yeah, like they've made vice president Ryan Cowden as the de facto GM for the rest of the season. This one... I we were just saying there before we came online, like it feels like there's a story behind this, like someone lost a power struggle or someone's pissed off about the AJ Brown decision because like, look, he's overseeing an aging roster and they haven't, I don't think, successfully put succession plans in place. But um, firing a dude mid-season doesn't feel like you're doing it for no immediate reason. Like you'd let him run it out and like you know we're we're we're, we're at the start I mean, of the yeah, seven. You're not fire, getting that much of a jump. A Firing a guy mid-season when the season is going pretty much as you expected it to, it, it, yeah, it's not like they're two and ten or something. They, they are exactly where we yeah. expect they're, them to be. They're going to win the division, division again. Like, it is very strange, and as I agree with you, Connor, I think there's a story behind this, a power struggle or or some other factor. Because 
I mean, the Titans, I think, have been maximizing what they've been getting. They're, you know, they're not the most talented team in the world, but they do some nice pieces and it all has clicked together. And with Frabel as coach, there's definitely something building. And it's it's hard to imagine how it could be much better. Um, it's, ha- it's hard to imagine other than probably, say, the Brown probably thing, just someone other than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, Tannehill's been fine. Uh, yeah, exactly. But that's how you I mean, get better. You get better than fine. <laughs> Uh, it is, yeah, maybe they're trying to make that next step up and think they have to make some big move to do that. The other one I was thinking was possible, it could be if Rabel does the Balachik thing and does both jobs, but I mean, Balachik wasn't particularly good at doing both jobs, so I don't know if that's a, a good precedent to follow. I definitely think we'll know more about this story as as it breaks. At Right now, it feels something very off because this is not a thing that a winning team usually does in midseason. Yeah, and the owner put out a statement basically implying there's nothing significantly outside of the football that's a problem it's just that she in her own words uh you know more, i believe more, there's more to be done and higher aspirations to be met so this could seem to be a performance related issue or perhaps there's some kind of tension there between mike vrabel and john robinson and mike vrabel is probably a more essential part of that uh, organization in the eyes of the owner than john robinson and of course it's hard not to at this time draw some conclusions about you know AJ Brown going out there this week and absolutely monstering the Tennessee defensive backs, many of which have been highly drafted in recent years. And you know Traylon Burks, you know he's been solid. You know he he got a very fortunate concussion this week, but you know this is a guy you ch- you let leave the leave the room. You trade it from a first round pick, that's fine, but just to replace him with other wide receivers, not really an increase overall. So, yeah, like there's obviously, we'll probably hear more about this going forward. I think with John Robinson's reputation, he'll probably not struggle to find work very, very soon in the offseason. Uh, but for now, they've gone with Ryan Cowden. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, we'll see more influence. Uh, from the head coach Vrabel going forward in the draft process, uh, kind of more like a Pete Carroll type position where he has control over personnel. But uh, yeah, an unusual move, more to be seen here. I think as as maybe next week when we talk about it again. Yeah, as I said, like like the only the only timing issue I can think of the tier is that they have just played the guy that they traded away and he tore the living shit out of them, as you'll talk about once we get to the games beforehand. And as I said, they basically traded him for a box that might contain the same player. Like he just went, okay, here's a first round pick. Let's see if we get another good wide receiver. Mm. Do you want to, do you want the box or a boat? Yeah. Oh, take the box. <laughs> take the box. <laughs> it it can be anything. Leave me a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could also argue they never made as much as AJ Brown as they could, because he has improved, it seems, since going to Philadelphia. The, the shackles seem to be a bit off, whereas. But that's me. would feel like a coaching issue rather than a GM issue, game. you know? Well, they have Derrick Henry. Like Derrick Henry is the star of the team, so it made sense that he wasn't quite the central figure there, and he has dealt with some injuries in recent years. So, yeah, like for me, I think it's unusual. I think Titans have been dominating the AFC side mostly for the last five years since he's been there with Variable, and the owner basically came in around the same time. So it just seems like, you know, it's similar, I suppose, to the Cincinnati case where, uh, you know, Marvin Lewis kind of, it just ended up rolling on too long but it was yeah. a bit further down the road of, of decline with him so it's very unusual they're winning the, they're winning their division they're in a solid position uh you know the drafts haven't been great but they've been okay yeah. over the entirety of the tenure uh so yeah just very strange uh we'll see what we hear from this point forward it yeah. might just be 
the owner owner had a notion and just took it. I've said it before that I do think that they need to probably do something and change it up because I think they were plateaued and they weren't really moving beyond it. But yeah, like just timing, mid-season, all of it's strange. But sure, look, we'll, we'll, we'll probably chat about it next week again. Let's be on and have a look at some trade signings and bits and pieces. Carolina have released quarterback Baker Mayfield. Baker apparently requested this trade. Uh, he will almost certainly get claimed on the waiver wire rather than make it all the way through to free agency again. Um this is an interesting one. So this locks in the fifth rounder rather than the fourth rounder for Carolina um, in terms of the what they traded for him. Um, I do wonder sometimes if maybe if if it if it's pushing up on one or two of those incentives that possibly Baker also saw that he probably wasn't going to get to see the field and really wanted to try and you know get to play somewhere. It's an odd look for him because obviously after what we saw this year, he's probably going to be just looking to like is it. it his pitch in the NFL now is to be a good backup, I think, is like the is, is the level he's pitching at. And losing a job and kind of getting your way out slash requesting slash pushing your way out mid-season is probably not the best look for that. Um, unless he now just thinks, because there have been a couple of injuries around the league, that maybe there's a starting job out there for him, which I'm not sure there is, to be honest. But um, yeah, like not a successful tenure for him in Carolina and I wouldn't say the best look for someone who's going to be trying to be a career backup beyond this point. Yeah, but this is a guy who obviously still believes in himself. We always know he's had a bit of an ego, uh, which I'm assuming is pretty goddamn bruised at that point. You know, we saw clips during the season of him playing uh, practice team defensive tackle um, in some of the practices that Carolina have been doing. So he was very much demoted to the very bottom of the depths of, of nowhere on this team, as both PJ Walker and Sam Darnold have easily passed them on the depth chart. So obviously a guy who was picked up number one overall probably has a little bit more rope um, than your average guy on the street. So even though, based on what he's put in the field the last couple of years, there's not really that much to hope for. And I even at his best, he's probably just been a best, like a mediocre kind of top 16 type quarterback. You know, I think someone will give him a chance, but I think you're right there. Like the biggest problem for him is that, you know, he needs to be a good backup, a good teammate. And that's just, that's just not something that we've heard about him. You know, teammates have mostly had negative things to say about him. He's forced his way out of situations when he has been unhappy. So, you know, I think a reality check is probably in store for Baker Mayfield, even if he does get claimed. But, you know, if he ends up, you know, striking out again, then you do wonder how long he'll be left in the league after that. Yeah, I mean, I've not much to add to what Ronan says. Obviously, this is a, a guy with an ego whose talent uh, doesn't quite live up to it. And um, I mean, we talked about the, you know, I, I I predicted a most embarrassing moment that he would lose his starting job to Sam Darnold. He ended up losing his starting job to PJ Walker and then later to Sam Darnold. So, I mean, it's, yeah, this can't. This is probably the, you know, was even right. Baker and his <laughs> even Baker and his worst nightmares probably didn't imagine this is how the, the Panthers run would go for him. And as you say, that the big problem now is that he's not seen as a team player or someone who's going to, you know, do what he's told and behave himself. And when you're up QB and there's you know 50 guys at the same talent level as you who could fill that role, then it's not a good place to be. So uh, yeah, I, I'd be. I'd be worried if I was him about his potential future in the NFL, for sure. Yeah, Miami have signed offensive tackle Eric Fisher, Big Fish, uh, who's coming in and placing Austin Jackson, who's just gone to IR, and they've also got Teron Armstead, who's dangering with injuries week to week. Um, yeah, I'm kind of... 
Like it's grand. They need tackle depth, and it's kind of good to bring in Fisher. It's a bit surprising that he's still sitting out there at the moment. I would have thought if he still had it in the tank, he would have gotten a job a little bit earlier. It's not like there's not teams who've been crying out for tackles, but as it goes, like he had some very up times as well as some kind of down times. But like you know, he went high in the draft. He has shown upside at times. I'm surprised he like he hasn't been on a team so. I wonder what's behind that. Um, but yeah, like Miami needed someone to put in and they find him. Yeah, I think they're crying out just for someone decent, not good, not great. I don't think Air Fisher's going to become the kind of Pro Bowl level he was for a little bit of time at the end of his KC tenure and when he started with Indianapolis for a little while. Uh, but if he's just fine, like even a top 20-ish tackle, that would be an improvement of what they put out last week, albeit against a good defensive line. So they, you know, I said when Toronto said nothing, Jackson injuries came up last week that, you know, that's one of the biggest drop-offs. So, look, I think they've gone a little bit of a fishing expedition, if you'll pardon the pun, uh. and they've found someone who perhaps can be an improvement there. But, like, look, if he's if he's not got it, he might be gone in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no but harm in trying to get a new body at the something. moment. Yeah, someone who's shown something, at least, that, that's got to have some value. Yeah, we'll look at some injuries around the league here. So some of the larger scale ones. San Francisco quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has injured his foot and he's likely out for the season. There was a lot of discussion pre-game about them possibly extending him for 2023. They brought in Josh Johnson. Uh, Brock Purdy is the boy who was uh, expected to start, though. Considering they were also saying, I think it was today, I was hearing reports that they're not sure how serious the foot injury is, that there was a thin sliver of hope that he might not be done done, but like everything looks to be pointing in that direction. Uh, the Rams quarterback Matt Stafford has a spinal cord contusion Ugh. Uh, he's been placed on IR and that's pretty much him done for the season and Dallas cornerback Anthony Brown has torn his Achilles and he's gone for the season Rams are already essentially in a casket so no one cares that much hopefully Matt Stafford's going to be alright next year San Francisco still looked surprisingly okay with Brock Purdy under centre but this is going to be a bit of a loss to them and Dallas after you know they're they're really making a push for the playoffs and and further beyond. Uh, loss of Brown is obviously you know the, the the defense helped them through the most difficult parts of this season when they were down a starting quarterback and it'll be kind of unfortunate if they make it to the playoffs and they've lost a lot of pieces and aren't really the team that got them there. Yeah, I mean this is a heartbreaker for the 49ers for sure. I mean they. Their season looked a bit all over the place a few weeks ago, but then they signed CMC and Jimmy G slotted into the the role of kind of game manager, and they've looked really good. They've been arguably the best team in the NFC, maybe except for the Cowboys over the past four or five weeks, looking like they're going to make a good playoff run. And now they have to rely on a a seventh round rookie quarterback, maybe, or possibly someone like Baker Mayfield in order to to carry that through. And it's yeah, that that is a really really going to hurt them. And it's hard to see how they're going to, you know, live up to their potential. Could you imagine and Christian McCaffrey's that... face if fucking Baker Mayfield comes in and joins him <laughs> as a fucking starter again? Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. It's, it's, uh, yeah, uh... I think uh, Shanahan said words to the effect that that's not happening, <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah. So at least that's avoided. Uh, like with Dallas, Anthony Brown, he hasn't had a great season, but their depth at the cornerback position is pretty bad like i think the rookie kelvin sorry the second year player kelvin joseph might end up playing more i think he's like a murder charge or something related to that in the offseason but that's it on the on the down low for now uh, so you're looking at guys like or deron bland who's really mostly playing nickel at the moment or nishan Wright, kind of making a, a an implementation there so it's not it's not a great position to be for a defense uh, overall but the strength of that team it's a defensive line and with a defensive line as strong as they have you imagine they can kind of paper over the cracks a bit as for uh, San Francisco, just to break, like 
the Brock Purdy thing. You know, I think I think we've seen San Francisco have some success with quarterbacks that weren't at the Jimmy G level, but I we have also seen them like spike up in the first couple of games and then just fall off as teams figured them out. So like, look, Brock Purdy drafted with the last pick of the uh, 2022 draft you know it's a joystick offense where obviously the Shanahan is the driving force we'll see how far they can take it and see how far they can run CMC uh, on this offense but you know I you know I think you can have optimism because the defense is so good but you know in terms of being a genuine Super Bowl contender now I'm certainly you know putting them down a peg or two yeah other injuries around the league. Baltimore quarterback Lamar Jackson has injured his knee and he's week to week. Harbaugh said he's not optimistic for week 14. And uh, the linebacker there, Patrick Queen, has injured his thigh and he's week to week. Miami quarterback Tunga Tung. Tua Tungavailoa has injured his ankle and he's week to week. He is expected to play week 14, though Tennessee wide receiver Traylon Burks is a concussion and is week to week. And their linebacker David Long and cornerback Christian Fulton are also injured. Cincinnati tight end Hayden Hurst has injured his calf and is week to week, likely to miss this upcoming week. Seattle running back Kenneth Walker has injured his ankle and is week to week. And New York Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams has injured his neck and is week to week. Any of these jump out? Obviously, the quarterbacks are going to be a problem. Baltimore looking to be a little bit on the down up at the moment Miami doing pretty well still uh but you know a bit of a drop off if two is not in there well I think with Lamar like look at the back of his Tyler Huntley a very similar type of player though obviously not quite the same talent either with his legs or with his arm but you know the system has worked fairly okay with Huntley in there in previous years I think the bigger concern is that maybe the system has been figured out because it hasn't really been going with Lamar Jackson over the last few weeks and it didn't really do that much better with Tyler Huntley in his cameo in the game this week uh, which we'll talk I think Sean will talk about later on uh, so there is concerns that the offense itself is just figured out right now and that does you know I think with Huntley uh, you know there's a step down in general. You'd worry about that. Um, though Lamar, he's been playing, leading hurt for several weeks, so maybe getting some little like full-on athleticism might make a difference. And Patrick Queen's been playing really well uh, since they tra- 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 traded for Roquan Smith, so uh, obviously a loss for him there in the middle of that defense, which has really been holding that team up. And then Tua, I think they said he could come in to the game last week if they needed him, but the game getting all away from them in the last like stands of the game, so that. They just kept them out. So, you know, I expected he'll be out there, but we'll see if there's any loss of mobility and maybe just a little bit of loss of confidence um, when he plays for the rest of the season. And so we'll let's go and have a look at the games from last week. So first up, we have Kansas City at Cincinnati, 24-27. to Burrow with over 330 yards and three touchdowns. Catches Higgins for a 14-yard completion to kill the game after managing to get themselves down within territory and be able to just kind of salt it away. Um... Sajay P. Ryan had 155 yards. Chase went for 100. And the Cincinnati defense did pretty good. They got a fumble, two sacks, and three tackles for a loss. Forced Mahomes and the Chiefs to kind of go about it the hard way. He had 232 yards and two touchdowns and a, a, one of a rushing style things. It was... Yeah, it was it was messy at times. It was interesting. So obviously it started with Cincinnati going up quite a bit. They had a double digit uh, lead on the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs pulled it back and they went ahead. And then Cincinnati were just able to kind of cause issues for the Chiefs uh, in a way, kind of almost like how you're used to seeing the Chiefs end up winning these games themselves. So you know, they they managed to hold Kelsey to minimal impact apart from then having him force the fumble that allowed them to get the ball back in control. We saw even like good back and forth like it was there was a flashback to the uh to the the afc championship game um between the teams where coming to the end of the second half cincinnati had the ball down in fourth down territory up at the 
Chiefs red zone and the Chiefs managed to actually have a defensive stop and stop them from putting any points on the board uh, but unfortunately that wasn't enough of a swing of momentum so this is the thing like we saw it wasn't just offensive playing well here we saw both defenses turn up and do things unfortunately it just the the Cincinnati Bengals had a little bit more in them today there was a lot of particularly poor tackling from the from the Chiefs defensive they were getting to the ball like a lot of people are blaming the the, the scheming and stuff I actually think that Spags did a decent job and Normally I'm going to criticize because I don't like, don't always like his blitz heavy approach, but he put the players in the right position. The problem is every time a player was making a tackle, they weren't stopping them for another three yards. It was just, it was just not great now. And I'm not sure what needs to be done to fix that. And also the only pressure, this is, this is a Cincinnati line that yes, is a little bit improved than it was earlier in the season, but it's still not a top end line. And the chiefs got one pressure or sorry, one sack in this game. Really. Um, they were getting nothing outside of Jones at all. And yeah, something needs to be sorted about that, but a very good win for Cincinnati gets them hyped up. They like, as they say, it's not really a rivalry if they own it all because they're now three and Oh, um, but yeah, it was a, a wake up game for the chiefs. As I said, this is one that I thought they could slip up on. And I suppose they're away from home, but a very good win for Cincinnati and some questions to be asked, particularly on the defensive side of the chiefs. I think for the defense, maybe the first thing you don't do is don't provoke uh, the other players uh, on the other side oh God, before the Reed, game. Yeah, Justin Reed going between <laughs> deciding to, I think he was an, he was trying to say Hayden Hurst, but he ended up like name checking T Higgins and Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase. He, Jamar Chase got an actual taunting penalty, uh, doing the money side, like the money uh, yeah, you know, yeah. make a rain uh, thing in front of him, uh, just to rub it in his face. So obviously Cincinnati were a little bit more egged on uh, initially, which I think definitely showed up as they kind of took, I think, a uh, decent control of this game early on. I think they were 14-3 uh, up in the early on this game, but then the Chiefs fought back. And then in the second half, I think what you just saw, what you saw was playoff football. This was, as you said, quite reminiscent of the couple of games they already played in this calendar year. And they did these two teams just seemed to come together and play not like superstar blow everyone away, but really, really impressive football on both sides of the ball. Like on Burrow's side, you're obviously talking about a guy who's really, really stepped up in recent weeks um, to kind of carry this team, albeit the defense is also, as we're talking about at the moment, but I think, you know, when you think about that last play of the game, when he goes for a 14-yard strike to T. Higgins after taking, I think, that one sack, um, the, the play before, like, that's the kind of shit that Joe Burrow does, and I don't like you know. There's some people saying here that Zach Taylor deserves more respect and stuff like that, and maybe maybe he does. But like this is the Joe Burrow show. This is the Joe Burrow team, and this guy, you know, when you have a guy like this, you're willing to put the game in his hands and let him do whatever he needs to win this game. Just like you know, to a large extent, the Chiefs do for Mahomes. And I think the fact that Chase came back and immediately offered that kind of explosive element that they've been missing. Like T Higgins is a great player, Tyler Boyd is solid as well. Uh, but to have that explosive element, that guy who can break those tackles and make those explosive plays which there were not very many of many of in this game for either side let's be honest uh, outside of an occasional couple of deep passes the mvs for the chiefs and, and chase for uh, for the cincinnati like those are so important and then p ryan comes in and you know i think p ryan isn't anywhere near the same kind of in between the tackles runner and um, that joe mixon is but he's a dual threat uh 
uh, back. He can run between the tackles. He can catch the ball. And I think it may have actually helped them a little bit in this game because it left the Chiefs with less certainty over what was actually happening in terms of the scheming at any given time. But, you know, fair play to Burrow. He had a really good game, a really clutch game against a defense where I think was really making him work hard all game. So it's not that, you know, him and Chase just blew him away. It's just he had to play at his top. He got a few really key scrambles when he needed to. And he's really stepping up, I think, this season, even beyond what he did last year. Uh, especially because I said they, they have to do more solid play now compared to just like you know throw up the chase and get all the speed going but you know no harm having those as well as with Cincinnati defense I think they just did a really good job of containing Mahomes and really as you said like in the playoffs just like basically daring them to run the ball which they did to be fair 22 rushes from the running backs for 117 yards maybe a little bit more running should have been in there because it just kind of felt like you know the Chiefs always get a little bit antsy when they're asked to run the ball. Like the the scheme says, run the ball, and yeah, just there like was, there was, there Mahomes... was one or two late decisions, particularly like short down and distance ones, where you're like, look, you're 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 averaging what five and a touch on the ground. Like, why don't you just do that? Or that third down, like, what was? Wh- why are you running out a fucking fake pass where you put Mahomes out at wide receiver down in like their red zone, then just going? You know what? we should probably just run it and then have a fourth and one instead or maybe even get it. Like, it just seemed a little bit too, you know, Andy Reid getting up his own hole, essentially. Yeah, but like, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And like, to be fair, this is a game that was incredibly close between two great teams and just a couple of key plays ended up being a difference. You know, that field goal miss after the sack kind of, you know, it would have been kicked if it wasn't 50, it was like 50 yards at the 55. Obviously, the fumble from Kelsey uh, late on in this game was really important in terms of kind of turning momentum when it felt like the Chiefs were really roaring back at that point. And, you know, it just kind of felt like a few moments like that were the key here. And I think that's going to be the, the, the same going forward if they play again in the playoffs. It's just these are two really good teams they're going to play really exciting games and every game's going to be a 50-50 I know Cincinnati have won three in a row but this wasn't a game that Cincinnati would win like you know you know, 99 times out of 100 this is a game that could have easily gone the other way and Mahomes like look this was a tough game they, the defense forced him to pass to take short passes and just kind of work the ball and the couple of times that he blitzed them he did absolutely take advantage of them um, and then he had that really cool like Michael Jordan leaping touchdown which nearly was a fumble which would have really pissed you off I imagine Connor, if it had been fumbled but uh, you know Mahomes is who he is and obviously uh, the Bengals have done their homework and have been locking him down to some extent insofar as you can lock down Mahomes so you know really really excited to see this game it, was, it lived up to its reputation and you know there's obviously the Buffalo Kansas City matchup that we want but this is certainly a very close second I think for me right now if not the first yeah I mean uh, I mean it's 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 weird I kind of had them in in my head written off a little bit as last season was was a bit of a freak they're a fun team who's capable of fun things but they went on a bit of a run and it's impossible to expect them to do that again and the first half of the season that kind of confirmed my, my my belief that they weren't this elite AFC team but this game I think definitely proved to me that they are they're a big game team and they are going to be a real threat in the playoffs because they are capable on their day of beating anybody and and they're capable of doing it consistently and I think Burrow is, is a huge part of that and, and it's it's important not to underemphasize what he can do he reminds me of Tom Brady and even going back a little bit further than that to to Joe Montana from from my childhood. He doesn't do the fancy Mahomes stuff. He doesn't do the explosive stuff. But when you need him, when you need your quarter to rely on your quarterback to do the thing that needs to be done, when it's the fourth quarter or it's overtime and you need a play and you need to perform, 
Burrow always produces. And, and ultimately, that is the kind of stuff that wins championships. I mean, I know Mahomes has won a Super Bowl, but it's 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 kind of a high-variance uh, approach to a certain extent, relying on those kinds of explosive plays. Whereas having someone like, like Burrow who can, you know, do the things that are necessary when the chips are down, that's where you get the Tom Brady types who, who win seven Super Bowls or whatever. So so really big performance by him. But a big performance all around. The defense is much better than we thought it was. Um, they kept Mahomes to under 300 yards for the third time, which is not an easy thing to do whatsoever. They got the big turnover in the fourth quarter to change the momentum of the game. The, the secondary, which we were worried about, you know, competed at, at, a, at a high level. They kept Kelsey very quiet throughout the, the entire game. The offensive line, which was a big worry, is improving as they gel. P. Ryan stepped up in Mixon's absence. T. Higgins, he lacks consistency, but he's capable of the big plays. Jamar Chase is, is always always a big game player. So the, the Bengals certainly feel like it's all coming together on both sides of the ball, and there's nothing to stop them making a run. For the Chiefs, I guess they've got to either write this off as, as just a bad day in the office or talk maybe about some sort of Bengals hoodoo. They didn't necessarily play bad, but I don't know if they have the kind of particular specific adjustments that they require uh, it, in order to, to beat the Bengals. They've got to work out how to beat the Bengals particularly. It's kind of like how the Bills had a, had a Chiefs problem for a number of years. It kind of feels like the Chiefs are developing a Bengals problem. And this kind of now maybe becomes psychologically a big thing that if they do beat in the playoffs... There is that feeling, say, if it's close to the fourth quarter and Burrow's making a, a move, you have to be worried as a as a as a Kansas City uh, defensive player that it's happening again, that the you know that the fates are conspiring against us. So they've got to find a way to solve these problems because otherwise they they're go- they are going to lose to them uh, in the playoffs. But as I said, they're they're probably the best team on the NFL at their top at their top form. So I would love to see this kind of game in the playoffs again because this this. I mean, this, the, this, and the the Bills Chiefs are are, are the, the the ultimate matchups in the NFL right now, and I, I'd watch them every week if I could. Yeah, no, it was top end, and look forward to seeing it again. Next up, Jets at Minnesota, twenty-two to twenty-seven, heartbreak. Minnesota survived the furious New York Jets comeback. They were six to twenty down at the halftime, with two red zone turnovers, one on downs, and one as an interception. Um, yeah, like Mike White doing an interesting job of like kind of not quite the level he was at last week but not the kind of collapse that we saw when he got him beforehand he went 31 of 57 with 376 yards and two interceptions um finds a rookie wilson for 162 like doesn't do a huge amount in the first half but then kind of opens up in the second half and even starts rushing a little bit as well i must say i can't imagine there's any coach deserving of a head coaching job in the NFL that would come in with a game plan to have Mike White throw 57 times personally. But, um, (laughs) you know, needs must. Kirk Cousins went for 173 yards and a touchdown. They didn't do a wild pile in the second half beside one touchdown drive. But, like, their defense continued to help them run close and win. This felt like the Jets should have had it. Like, it was unfortunate. The interception on the end was just them trying to force something in the end. But, like... Yeah, it's 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 interesting because like, even with you know what you would say is kind of a limited quarterback in Mike White, he gives him a bit of a spark, and this Jets defense is legit to be able to push back. Um, I, if anything, I come out of this very high on the Jets, being like, you know what, maybe they can do something. I'm just thinking, yeah, Minnesota are a paper tiger that like they are kind of a little bit better than they were before but like kind of the level of where we thought they were going to be of actually yeah they'll have a good record and then they'll get shuffled out of the playoffs by someone better than them um 
and and that's fine because that's who Minnesota are. Whereas this Jets team are like, they could figure something out with that quarterback. Like, I was sitting there at the edge of my seat at the end going, I think they're actually going to do it. And there was no reason when they're down two scores at halftime and not showing anything just think that should be the case. So I love seeing the fight in the Jets. I am a little bit underwhelmed by Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. If, if, we're, if we're talking playoff runs, we're talking who's going to make an impact in the playoffs, I'd be much higher on the Jets than the Vikings because the Jets, they do have this explosive about them. And they're, yes, they're a work in progress. And yes, their pieces need to be fixed. But there's, there's some really good parts. Their defense is absolutely elite. It's getting better every week. It looks so strong. It kept them in this game, especially the second half. It, it kept the, it kind of figured the Vikings out and, and and clamped them down. The biggest problem that I guess they have is the offense isn't still quite still there. It still needs a bit of work. I mean, Mike White is a definite upgrade on Zach Wilson. He's making fewer mistakes. He's more composed. You can feel the team around him trust him more. The whole thing runs a bit smoother. He's he's quite a good game manager, or scenario manager, or what have you. But it's. Yeah, it's it's he's not he's not an elite quarterback, and he's also not a quarterback you want to be, you know, running as you said, fifty-seven pass plays around. So I think that they've they've got to figure out how to make the run game work a bit better. They don't seem to be in love with with James Robinson in the running game. They don't seem to want to use him all that much, uh, or as much perhaps as he needs to. Got to use Bam Nice, but... Bam. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the right yes, name. You know? I mean, they're, John they're, Madden name. There's definitely. Yeah, there's definitely offensive things that, that need to be worked on, but the defense is definitely ready to go right now, and I'd love to see them, you know, take a big scalp in the playoffs. As the Vikings, I mean, the Vikings are the same team. We've been talking about this nonstop, at least I have been talking about this nonstop. They're the exact same team we expect them to be. They're slightly better than they were last year because Jefferson has taken a step up, but they're still a team which, you know, requires Kurt Cousins to play well. He had a quite a poor start in this game, but improved as the game went on, but... You know, he's nothing special. He's, he's not going to do great things for you, and their defense is a bit blah. They're they're going to be beaten by the first good team they meet in the playoffs for sure. Um, they might end up making it to an NFC Championship game just by virtue of the way the draw runs out because they're probably going to end up at the second seed. But they're definitely not going... They're not going to beat an Eagles. They're not going to beat the Cowboys. They're not going to beat... They might beat the 49ers. The 49ers have no quarterback. But they're not, they're not going to, to win anything. But the Jets... They're... It, the AFC is already such a fun place just to add the Jets to the mix of all these really good teams. I think the, the AFC side of the playoffs is going to be really fun to watch. And I hope the Jets take a big scalp and, and uh, yeah, yeah, show us all the, the, the wonders of Salah as this team improves year on year. Yeah, I hope the Jets take out the Bengals for us. Like, I know the Vikings are mostly the same, but they have good vibes now. I think the biggest problem with the Zimmer, particularly in the last couple of years, is like the vibes were all wrong. The team didn't believe it was going to win games and had a reputation for falling apart at the worst times, in prime time, in close games. But they're 9-0 and this season in their one-score game. So you can interpret that like Sean as just luck, but you can also interpret that as a team that believes in itself and that makes clutch plays when it matters and those are the type of characteristics that you know depending on the team you can call lucky or you can call championship level football so you know like the record maybe flatters them a little bit because they have been in so many close games but there's no denying that when the chips have been down the offense and the defense have stepped up and it's, it's an offense which is definitely struggling without christian darris out there at left tackle who should hold back uh, next week uh, but 
overall, because of the level they talent they have, they definitely have a chance to maybe a factor in NFC playoff hunt, which isn't that deep. Yes, they're the, the, the Cowboys and the Eagles, but like, you know, if they have a home game against those guys, I wouldn't count them out completely. And as for the Jets, look, I think, as you say, there's a lot to take from this. Mike White is obviously much better than Zach Wilson, uh, but this red zone offense, hopefully this is just an aberration, but like one of six, you know, two turnovers, that's not great to see. So, you know, no. major signs of why Jets are fun, but, you know, uh, you know, you need, you know, if they're in a, in a tough AFC playoff picture, they're going to need to be more than fun to actually make it into the game and, and knock out the Bengals, Connor. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see. Miami at San Francisco. San Francisco's defense kind of were the story of this one. Fumble, touchdown, two interceptions, uh, turnover on downs, three sacks and two tackles for a loss. Um, Tua looked a little bit confused and inaccurate outside of his couple of big hits to Hill, who had 146 yards. Tua went sub-200, two touchdowns, two interceptions and a fumble. Um, Yeah, like, this was an unusual one. As we said, like, Waddle didn't really show up here. I don't know if it was... he was hurt for large parts of the game. Too. I was wondering if it was just purely an injury or whether it was just that, you know, that, like San Francisco does have a good defense as well. So um, Purdy on the other side, which, by the way, like one of the reasons I keep laughing at myself is this is that Purdy is a term that we use up in Donegal for potato as well. So Purdy picker <laughs> meant that you were a potato picker. Um, so, yeah, I just don't know why it's just funny that there's a guy called Potato playing in the league now. Um, 210 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Looked fine, uh, as you said before, Ronan. You can kind of... We've seen a few times where we've been able to just plug and play quarterbacks in this offense. It doesn't always have the longevity, but um, they can normally start all right. Controlled work and relief with Jimmy G, who left out earlier. Christian McCaffrey had a big, massive game, 146 yards and a touchdown. Um, but yeah, it he looks a little bit, not 100% now, particularly on that last run, I think it was. He looked a little bit slow, so I'm not sure whether or not it's uh, it's something to be concerned about moving forward for him. This was a game for San Francisco that was good because it shows that you can win this type of game uh, and that, you know, that they can survive with Jimmy G going down. Whether it's a sustainable multi-game approach, I'm not sure because I think Miami got down and then like just with the with the, with two as well, not looking 100% sharp in the game. And then, as we said, like the, the injuries that he has afterwards and that like, yeah, I'm not sure this is the most sustainable of offensive San Fran, but it's a good win. It's a good win over a, like what is generally considered one of the top end offenses uh, this year, and they held them to 17, which is great. Um, yeah, like it's a good performance from San Fran. I'm still of the opinion that I downgrade their their long term stuff, even with Purdy looking serviceable. I think and Jimmy G never being what I would consider an elite talent. Uh, I, I'm still downgrading their their shot. But as, we, as I think Sean mentioned earlier as well, it's not exactly a murderer's row in the NFC. Yeah, I think for San Francisco, I would have them favored still for the NFC West. That gives you a home playoff game. And that's good enough to put them in the competition. I do have major concerns at the quarterback position, as I said during the news section. You know, we've seen quarterbacks come in, look good for a game or two, and then just fall off as teams clamp down on the easy things and and kind of the things that Jimmy G, his anticipation and his things that he brings in terms of just being able to move that system, make it sing, that are really, really important, particularly in games where uh, opposing defenses do manage to shut down CMC uh, with the yards after the catch and in the running game, you'd have major concerns. Uh, That's something Miami weren't really able to do in this game, CMC you know went for over nearly 150 yards he got the touchdown that was important and so that one if that's working most quarterbacks make it work but 
tougher tests, I imagine, ahead at the very least in the playoffs if they make it there. Um, I think CMC is also dealing with a lot of knocks himself and there's not much depth behind him at this point. Obviously, they traded away Jeff Wilson, who, to be fair, they absolutely shut down in this game. He had one carry for three yards. Uh, but like it's Jordan Mason, it's like Tyrion Davis-Price, like it's nobody's at this point. So big concerns there and like maybe Debo Samuel needs to be sent back into the backfield a bit more um, after getting his extension in the offseason and kind of uh, looking so good at that late last season. So I think for San Francisco, that's a problem, but the defense is so good right now. It's the best defense in the league. And in this game, you know, there's such a contrast between how this game started with like that immediate you know 75 yard touchdown on the first pass to Sherfield but by the second half five out of six of the drives for the, the Dolphins ended in a turnover including a turnover for a touchdown late on in this game so that gives you an indication that San Francisco this is a defense not to be trifled with and it's one that gets immediate pressure this defensive line is so deep obviously has the guys like Bosa who are absolute superstars but it's so deep they have such a big rotation that they're going to be a problem for any quarterback and when you think of Tua you're thinking of a guy who's usually so decisive so quick who's making plays um, both in the especially in the intermediate game but he just didn't seem to have enough time or enough understanding like, like the defensive like D'Amico Ryans really seemed to get under his skin make him confused some with situations where he just didn't seem to know what he was doing other situations where he was pressured and Trump made inaccurate throws which is also very untua like and outside the big plays the hill you know really very much little else working in this offense the run game didn't work no one else stood up because Waddle was injured for most of this game. He came in for a couple of cameos, but he was not playing anywhere 100%. So, you know, maybe if they had Waddle in two, they could have made it like an hill at the same time. Maybe that would have changed things a bit. But overall, it looked like San Francisco just had the makings of this team, especially yeah. as the game wore down, worn on. So, yeah, I think Miami, they need to regroup. They're obviously still a really good game a team. So that I think they're probably still well into the playoff hunt. Although, you know, the AFC East will be tough to win. Uh, but for San Francisco... Definitely a big step with Jimmy G, but based on what we see here, certainly hope that they could still potentially go all the way, but uh, certainly a step down from where they were before yeah. this game. Now let's see what's up next, because everybody loves a tie. Washington at Giants, 20-20 <laughs> in overtime. Kind of felt like this was somewhat of a deserving scoreline at the tail end. Uh, the a- NFC East arm wrestle ends in a tie with a missed field goal from the New York Giants from 58 yards out. Heineke was 283 yards, two touchdowns and a fumble uh, with some fun bits uh, and some really, really dumb bits. So fumbles, but also like big touchdowns. We've got... McLaren, who led the way, who I think is just very, very happy that they've changed the Heineke. He went over 100 yards in the touchdown. Found their way over this kind of relatively okay Giants defense. It got a couple of sacks, five tackles for a loss and a fumble. So they were causing some issues. Danny Dimes had 200 yards and a touchdown. He also had 71 on the ground, uh, which was good. The Washington defense looked fine. Again, they got a fumble. They got a couple of sacks and some tackles for a loss. But like... Overall, they missed out on the big important ones. Like they, they, they basically didn't stop them on third down throughout this game, which is not how you're going to win one of these. It felt weird to me that the final score was just twenty to twenty, given it felt like both teams were able to, for the most part, kind of have their way with the with with the opposing defenses. But um, yeah, Sean, what's what's the line they always say? It's like kissing your sister. I. Don't understand that because I don't have any sisters. Um, is is watching a tie like kissing your sister, Sean? Uh, well, I see we're European, so we're used to games ending in draws, and so we don't mind that much. But if you're an American, I imagine it's the most frustrating thing. I mean, that's it, our second one this year, just, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we had the Texans uh, draw, yeah. didn't we? Texans. I thought Sean. Course, yeah. I thought Sean for a second was going to say we're used to kissing our sisters over. And <laughs> <I> night, <but laughs> there was a brief moment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're not French or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've been on record on this podcast about how much uh, I think ties are fundamentally un-American and the teams should not get ties, but should be both given losses. And I'd like to add to that that both teams should be automatically excluded from the playoffs because if you can't win a game in overtime or you can't lose a game in overtime with decency, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, if we want to talk about why the 49ers, despite not having a quarterback, are still a contender in the NFC, you point to the fact that both of these teams are probably going to are, well, have a decent chance of, of both making the playoffs and neither of them look that good. If you if I went to this game having no knowledge about the season had gone and you told me these were two like four and eight teams playing against each other, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. This was two seven-win teams playing against each other, the six and the seven seed in the NFC, and it just wasn't all that great a game. Um, I mean, there's nothing complicated about how either of these teams plays. They're kind of a run first in hope of opening up the pass game. Nothing too fancy about it. That there's there's good coaching going on, so there's a bit of uh, efficacy going there. But there's nothing that a, a really good team should be uh, afraid of. Um, we had a decent line battle. The 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 Giants O line against the the Washington defense was a little bit of fun, but otherwise not a huge amount of quality. I mean. McLaurin is, is is good, and I I like I like uh, Brian Robinson. He looks like he's uh, could be a potential game changer. And Heineke had a decent game with some nice throws, but there really wasn't a tremendous amount going on here. And in the end, yeah, a tie kind of feels appropriate, but doesn't feel satisfying um, because it just means that both these teams are as live as they used to be. I just God, I just hope the NFC just rapidly you know improves so we don't have to watch. I'd watch Washington in the in the playoffs. I think I would. I would enjoy, I wouldn't enjoy it, but I tolerate it. But the Giants team, I mean, it's, you can go, yeah, 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 they're well coached. And Wink Martindale's, Wink Martindale's doing a great job as DC and Brian Dayball is, you know, coaching them really well. And they, they go into every game with a with a plan and they stick to that plan. Danny Dimes isn't as bad anymore because he doesn't make mistakes. And they, you know, it's, but it's just like so uninspiring. They're just, they're still the New York Giants. They're just, they're just a well-coached version of the same crap team. Um, and I don't really want to watch them much more. Whereas Washington are, yeah, they're getting better. Their defense is, once it's healthy, will be scary enough. And their offense is, is a bit bled. But at least Taylor Haneke does some exciting things once in a while. But, yeah, not a, not if I was to, you know, trying to convince someone to watch the NFL, this would not be the game I would show them uh, to <laughs> demonstrate the quality of this sport. Because, no. yeah, quality no, was think... not the word I would say for this game. Not in the slightest. Next up, New Orleans at Tampa Bay, 16-17. to 17. Good God. Tom Brady could have forgot how to play football for 56 minutes or so and then remembered for the last couple of minutes. Uh, he went 281 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. He scores 14 points in the last five minutes to overturn uh, a 16-3 to three deficit, I think it was. The final touchdown hitting with three seconds left on the clock. The New Orleans defense basically did what they have for years against Brady and completely shut him down. Um, they had an interception, a fumble, a sack, two tackles for a loss. And like we said, they had three points in 55 minutes. Um, and then, yeah... Then they just kind of collapsed and forgot to do their job. Dalton had a pretty Dalton-y kind of day, 230 yards and a touchdown. Um, Hill had two touchdowns in this, like a lot of silliness and stuff like that. It was it was weird because then they really just decided that they didn't want to try and pull the trigger. So they had a couple of decisions, two in particular that sat out, but they had three moments in the red zone where they decided to kick for points and just try and keep it into a two-score game rather than go for the jugular, and it just felt felt weak, to be honest. It felt like they were 
unsure of what to do and they were afraid of making a mistake rather than trying to go and win. So this means Tampa Bay kind of pull ahead and, and, and take control of the NFC South. Um, I kind of wish if, if the Saints had won this, it would have made it an absolute chaos bowl down there for what was going to happen. But yeah, Tom, like it's a win. It's good. It puts Tampa Bay in a good spot. They've got an outside chance, as I think I said a couple of weeks back, that like if they have a couple of guys come back healthy and they can round into form, they do have talent on that roster. And if Tom can kind of get a five-game streak going into the playoffs, like he could be a surprise. But watching this game today, it just felt like this. It, it just felt like Tom Brady. Obviously, it's great for him to come back and win. This that's not a position he should be putting himself in. He shouldn't have been there his throws were a bit errant and misguided it didn't feel like he was as sharp as he used to be great in the last five minutes whenever they kind of went to hurry up and they just kind of started doing bits and pieces but like do that a bit more often or whatever there was one thing Roland I I will ask you for a specific on which um, I don't know if you caught the moment where uh, Tom got overruled on the field yes uh, I think he wanted to go for it or something like that but he wanted to go for it and they and, and, and the coach said no, man. He was going to let him go for it. And then he like there was a delay at game because of an injury. And he went, do you know what? No, I'm sending out the punt team. I don't trust you, Tom. Yeah, there was definitely people out for blood on Twitter for Todd Bowles because this was very much the definition of a, a... It looked like the loss that's typical of a defensive-minded coach who just doesn't seem to have the cojones, as it were, to actually get anything done. Um, but uh, thankfully for him, he has Tom Brady, the greatest player of all time. And when the chips were down here with five minutes left, Brady absolutely, you know, turned the tables on a defense on a team which has had his number for the last couple of seasons since he moved to Tampa Bay. And it's just, that's the kind of shit that Tom Brady does. He he didn't do anything spectacular. He just was methodical. He got a nice PI on the final drive to Mike Evans, just, you know, playing it smart. And it was just the kind of stuff like, you wonder where the hell was that all the rest of the game? But, you know, with... If the other team lets you hang around, Tom Brady's eventually going to get you more often than not. We saw that, for example, in the Rams game. It's something that they, you know, strangely did not try to do with the Cleveland game uh, last week. So, look, Tampa Bay, they're in control of the NFC side for now, but I would caution they have San Francisco next week, albeit with Brock Purdy instead of Jimmy G, and the week after they have the Bengals. So this could very much still devolve back into NFC side chaos, so so I wouldn't... uh, write that off just yet but this certainly gives them a huge advantage over the rest of their division like overall menace of the team was just on display for the entire game this was uh, similar to the, the you know even worse than the last game just not a good advertising for the nfl like dalton was fine and by the numbers he was grand like most people were saying he was fine but the problem is like when you're in the red zone and you can't make these conversions and you're relying on Taysom hill dumb plays like passing or or catching the ball stuff to kind of get those touchdowns it just all feels really un you know, unsustainable, basically. It just yeah. feels like this isn't the team that's got anything that can they could just do week to week that will help them win. It's just like, throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And without the genius of John Payton running it, it just all feels a little bit aimless and pointless overall. So, you know, like, and Alvin Kamara isn't doing anything really at the moment as well, so that's a big issue. So, you know, the defense at least is back to form after getting a bunch of players back from injury over recent weeks. So that's something they can build on. But in terms of playoff, convention yes they're in the nfc side but you know i don't want to see them in the playoffs and i don't think they'll be in the playoffs i think every other team in the nfc side probably looks better than them right now so yeah i don't know it's just a strange team they could be so much better but they just aren't um and tampa bay look they they beat what they can beat and, and that'll probably be enough this season yeah uh finally i can't believe we actually have to talk about this game denver baltimore (laughs) 
Nine points to ten. Denver misses a 63-yard field goal to allow Hundley a touchdown to win the game after Lamar leaves. Like, Huntley had 187 yards in interception, 47 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown. Um, Russell Wilson had 210 yards and continues to basically baffle Denver fans and uh, kind of provide tumescence to AFC West fans for him somehow getting paid a quarter of a million dollars for, sorry, a quarter of a billion dollars for providing this level of service to. Uh, He's probably only worth a quarter of a million right now. <laughs> yeah, like, it's genuinely fucking terrible. Um, yeah, like, they were awful again. They weren't in the red zone at all. Like, it was just awful. Baltimore defense had two sacks, five tackles for a loss. Like, but the problem is, you kind of look at that and you want to go, oh, do you know what, the Baltimore defense were great. And you're like, no, because it was fucking Russell Wilson on the other side. Like, I, like, we could play against Russell Wilson and he'd still miss most of his fucking passes. Like, awful 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 Baltimore sneaked this one they were also awful this was a terrible game and yeah Baltimore might actually make the playoffs which weirds me out because they are not good at the moment maybe maybe with Lamar it's something else but like they've not been a scary team for a couple of weeks right Uh, the Ravens are just the weirdest team this year because they've gone from being an elite team that has fourth quarter meltdowns to just being utter garbage. And it's happened in the space of like two weeks. They've been a team that had problems, but you thought you'd figure them out to being the, oh my God, what is this mess? Um, and now with Lamar out, you know, the you have to worry, is, is there a season repeating itself? Are they going to do what they did last season and have this late collapse? That means they, they missed out on the playoffs. I mean, they were basically around eight and three, eight and four, this time last season, and they ended up finishing, I think it was 9-8 and eight or something, and missing the playoffs. And with Lamar out and maybe coming back not fully healthy, it's really hard to see how this team's going to get much going because without him, there really wasn't anything going on offensively at all. I mean, Huntley is fine, but he really is like a bargain basement Lamar. He just doesn't help that, that explosiveness, that X factor, that ability to just turn plays on a dime um, that is such a big part of that game. So he's just he's just a guy. He's just a quarterback that can run, uh, and that's probably not going to be good enough. Also, I was quite disappointed with the Baltimore run game. Outside of that, they just weren't getting going at all. The offensive line had a poor game. They gave up, I think, four sacks, including the sack that ended up uh, injuring uh, Jackson. It was yeah. The Ravens. I mean, it's as wins. It's a peri- It was the most peric of peric victories. I mean, it's like you get an extra win on on, on your on your record, but at what cost? Because um, their entire reputation has gone down the toilet with this game. Um, they had scored three points in the first, like, 55 minutes or something, or 56 minutes. It was just, like, very poor. Um, for the Broncos, I mean, obviously, we don't need to talk about them too much because they're completely dead and just an awful team. I mean, I, I 100% sympathize with every single Broncos defensive player because my God, how frustrating must this be? You got this, you got this playoff level defense that is holding most teams to less than twenty points, and you're like three and nine. It's just, it's incredible. If they had anything functional on offense, if if they had a, a Mike White or a Taylor Heineke or maybe even a Brock Purdy, this this team would be a playoff team. But they don't because they have somehow that the corpse of Russell Wilson, who has decided he just has completely forgotten. Um, how to play football, and it's just killing them. Um, as you said, they didn't get into red zone once all game, which is I don't I don't think I've ever seen that personally live in in a game that I've watched. Um, it's just really bad, and 
Would the you problem is us? very obvious, but they've hung themselves on this massive contract, and it's not an easy problem to fix. And yeah, Jesus, just blow it up, blow up the offense, and start again. Keep the defensive parts because this is half a really good team and half the worst disaster area I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it it's, a de- it's a defense so bad that it got like Bradley Chubb traded away, and they're still playing well. It's like. <laughs> Madness, like yeah, just madness. Uh, it's like, yeah, like is I there a limit I... to how bad Russell Wilson is? The limit does not exist. No, it's your own limit. Um, yeah, as we say, look, all games are important, some less so than others. Uh, that's what we have the dump off for. Ronan, take it away. Yeah, week thirteen of the dump off. Obviously, another uh, big week uh, for football and a couple of relevant games here, but ones which didn't end up being much of a contest. So, because even though those last two games weren't the best. They are playoff relevant. They were close. Unlike this game, Tennessee at Philly, 10 to 35, absolute dumping of Tennessee by Philly. And of course, as we already mentioned, AJ Brown getting his revenge. And he said this was personal, and he certainly looked like it was, as he got 119 yards and two touchdowns. The second in particular, where the defensive back was basically hugging him, and he just caught it in his arms, just above his face, was particularly impressive. But yeah, he got his revenge, and he got his old GM fired, who presumably traded him away. So. Hey, mission accomplished, AJ Brown. Enjoy the rest of the season uh, on its own terms. Uh, on the other hand, Devonta Smith was also over 100 yards. So this was just a really nice day for Jalen Hurts after having a really big run day. He has a really big pass day, nearly 400 yards, four touchdowns. Just had great game all round. Meanwhile, for Tennessee, you know, uh, Henry was held in check, less than 40 yards. The defense just couldn't hold up, particularly defensive backs against this Philly attack. And, you know, when do you take those two elements away? Tanhill was kind of exposed, like well, less than 150 yards. A touchdown, and that touchdown came early where Burks got an injury and concussion. Very bad hit. Hopefully he's okay. Um, but yeah, just overall, we know what Tennessee, they have to play solid, you know, every uh, facet football to win games. And this they didn't. And Philly are a good team and they smacked their asses. Next up, Chargers at Vegas, 20-27. to Are Vegas now vaguely playoff relevant? I don't think so still, but they did embarrass the Chargers. So Connor's definitely happy with that outcome. Um, basically, the Vegas three-man offense was more than enough for this awful Chargers defense. As you know, Carr is okay. He had 250 yards, two touchdowns, so he did throw a pick as well. That was a pick six early on, and was around 50% uh, accuracy. But who cares when you got Devontae Allen, who turns those throws into 177 yards and two touchdowns? When Josh Jacobs is running the ball like a demon, he had a fumble early on to rack up 150 yards and a touchdown overall. And yeah, just like you know, Chargers, you know, with their their so-called defensive genius head coach you know they had two guys to shut down they couldn't do it and outside their two turnovers early on were just absolutely shit um herbert he's still struggling out there that offense is definitely you know not where it needs to be and the offensive line missing lindsley is a huge loss for them but you know there's only so many excuses you can give like herbert is doing a lot to kind of keep this team relevant but the defense sucks you know they're lacking weapons and depth on the offense and the las vegas defense which was a joke a while ago at five sacks five tackles for a loss they're improving there mostly due to max crosby just growing into being a demon each game um but overall chargers just like they could still make the playoffs because you know playoffs are weird but you know i don't think they deserve to be there to be honest because and i think it would be good if some people got fired there so herbert could be unleashed maybe next season under a better coach next up seattle at the rams 27 to 23 the rams nearly do their hoodoo over the seahawks despite missing you know stafford and missing donald and missing a bunch of other players but you know they get it done and mostly thanks to gino like there's a lot of problems with the team but gino is not one of them he was three touchdowns he had two turnovers as well but the thing about gino is he's been 
making turnovers or turnover worthy plays but he just turns around and is calm and moves on and makes the clutch plays and he made the clutch drive here when the Rams went up late and got the touchdown to DK and Lockett and DK at about 128 yards each and a touchdown each and look the defense is bad the run game didn't exist there are huge problems here but they got the win we'll see if they can sort some of those issues out going forward uh, except for Woolen he's really good in the defense that's about it on the other hand for the Rams, like, look, like Wolford had a w pretty good game sometimes when on play action, but outside of those moments, he had two interceptions were pretty bad. Uh, but the run game actually showed up nearly 170, over 170 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the, the Seattle defense had a lot to do with it, but, you know, it's good to see some running because they didn't have any of that early on. So maybe if they had that earlier in the season, they might be a bit more relevant. Uh, but, like, just to, to, just to shout out to Bobby Wagner in the revenge game, um, he had an interception, two tackles, three tackles for a loss. He was an absolute demon all game he was getting up in the face of DK Metcalf alongside Jalen Ramsey and he was definitely wanted this win a lot and unfortunately he didn't get it because the rest of the team sucks but you know they have a revenge they have a rematch up in week 18 so he has one more chance to, to do this thing we'll see if Seattle are still playoff relevant at that point so it could be extra sweet if they do do it done next up Pittsburgh Atlanta 19 to 16 uh, just a meh game overall Pittsburgh beat Atlanta because Mariota is bad, he had 175 yards on touchdown, but he threw a pick on their final drive, which closed out this game. You know, I think Desmond Ritter discussion has already started. The coach alluded to it in the press conference, so don't be surprised if Ritter is quarterback when they come out of their bye in a couple of weeks. Pittsburgh's defense mostly controlled this game, although the Atlanta run game it was okay-ish in the second half. Pickett continues to be okay and solid, getting better week by week, 216 yards and a touchdown here. Harris is also getting better week on week, which is really good to see for them. And he had a really nice stiff arm in Atlanta defense. It just like took his head and just smacked it into the ground. Uh, probably not good in terms of concussion protocol and stuff like that, but really fun looking. It's kind of stuff you don't see in the NFL as much anymore. Um, but like, look, Pittsburgh, they're, they're not the most inspiring unit, but they do seem to be on the path to 500 right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just got over that and keep Tomlin's streak going, but they're not the most fun unit, so you know, fair play to them, but uh, I won't be watching too many of their games, uh, except for purposes of the dump-off. Next up, Buffalo and New England Thursday Night Football, 24-10. As expected, Buffalo take care of a poor New England team. They score 21 unanswered with a run-heavy uh, clock control offensive plan, which obviously contrasts with a lot of they've done in recent years. They had like around 50-50 in terms of run pass calls. They were 2-1 to one in terms of time possession. Allen had some occasional explosive plays at Diggs, who went nearly 100 yards. Uh, but overall, just very controlled, very mature, and just took care of a lesser team. Mac, the Mac attack was pretty bad. He had like an early screen uh, TD to a defensive back uh, for some reason because that you know I suppose that's what happens when you have a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator as your coordinator. But there was no actual rhythm or mean or, or really the, the, the entire rhythm of the offense is off, and Mac Jones is getting frustrated with that as the season goes on. And you know I think something needs to be done there uh, next season if, if things don't work out for the rest of the season. And the Buffalo defense was basically able to hold up despite missing Von Miller um, outside of a, a nasty hit by Hamlin on, on Myers in this game, which you know, maybe avoid that going forward. Next up, Indianapolis to Dallas, 19-54, to absolute smashing on Sunday Night Football. Dallas's defense did most of the work here. Three interceptions, two fumbles, one of which went for a touchdown, three sacks, two six sacks for a loss, around 300 yards allowed. And two of those turnovers came from Lee Cooker, the former Colts, so, you know, he extra speed for him. A lot of revenge this week in the in the dump-off. But, uh, yeah, like, just that OL, it just been poor for Indianapolis all year and was absolutely exposed by Dallas. Ryan reverting to his early season form with those three turnovers. Dak basically at autopilot. He had three touchdowns, some nice pass games early on. Uh, but the run game basically salted this away. Nearly 100 for Pollard, uh, nearly 100 for Zeke. 
you know, easy win over a poor team. Indianapolis's Saturday Phillip is already over, you feel. Next up, Green Bay at Chicago, 28-19. Rodgers, for maybe the last time, owned Soldier Field, albeit he wasn't the main star here. 186 yards and touchdown. He was solid. He wasn't great, but he was good enough. Uh, avoided any mistakes while the run game with Dylan had 93 yards and two touchdowns he had a lot of key runs particularly when they were coming back in the second half after Chicago went up early um, Watson had his you know almost feels obligatory handful of explosive plays including which got them two of their touchdowns but the Green Bay defense finally had a good game three turnovers four tackles for a loss and outside of a really big nice rush touchdown from Fields and some early uh, big plays that you know there was no consistency to this offense and it kind of felt like Chicago after all those injuries were pulling things back a bit from before when when Fields got injured I don't know how many games they can win that way to be honest but I suppose with this season being a write-off anyway and with pick uh, like a uh, draft order being more important it probably makes sense uh, but you know overall they had some mistakes they had the turnovers the field goal missed so you know Green Bay get something out of this season over the Bears again, but uh, I wouldn't say that's the future of this matchup going forward. Jacksonville at Detroit, 14-40. To Detroit, steamroller a poor Jacksonville team. Uh, the revival is well on at this point. Goff, 340 yards, two touchdowns, and he praised the sun with Amon Ross St. Brown, who had 100, yeah, over 100, and, two, and he had those two touchdowns. You know, that's really good, but also DJ Chark had nearly 100 yards. DeAndre Swift had over 100 yards. Detroit scored every single drive of this game, except for a kneel down on the last drive. So they just had their way with the Jacksonville defense, which has been very bad this season, despite having a lot of talent invested in terms of free agency in the draft. Lawrence struggled here, and he survived a very scary injury uh, during this game. Uh, but overall, he had only 260 yards overall. Big issues in Jacksonville. Like They're definitely better than last year, but that's not saying much. They need to make a big step up next year if they're going to live up to Sean's uh, uh, you know, uh, wild card <laughs> expectations. And then finally, the dumpest of dump-off games. Not just because it was terrible, but because of all the circumstances around it, of course. Cleveland at Houston, 27 to 14. You're going, oh, 27 points. Uh, maybe Deshaun Watson must have done something. Uh, the Cleveland defense and special teams accounted for 24 of the 27 points. An interception TD, a fumble TD, a punt return TD, and a safety. Like, that's, you know, a lot of points being expected from the defense. But, hey, the Houston offense is absolutely terrible. Uh, Allen, Kyle Allen was terrible. He had two of those turnovers. You know, and even though Pierce had a solid game, nearly 100 yards, everything else about them stunk to high heaven. But I almost think that Deshaun once stunk even more. He was awful in this going. He had like a handful of okay passes early in the second half, but other than that, it was just terrible. He had an interception early on. He looked scattish. He didn't know what he was doing. And long may that continue to be perfectly fucking frank. And, you know, even Chubb seemed to be affected by the Watson stuff. He only had 80 yards here against one of the worst run defenses in the league. So Houston may be moribund. But this Cleveland experiment could get quite ugly down the stretch here. Not that it really matters because it's not playoff relevant, but hey, the worse it looks this season, the better, because then the, the worse they'll feel during the offseason and they'll deserve all of it, to be honest. So that's the dump off for week 13. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, so first up, we have Thursday Night Football. Vegas taking on the LA Raiders. Um, we've gone for Vegas across the board in this one. Yeah, look, Vegas are on a bit of a bounce back at the moment. I think they've won three in a row. Um, playoff relevant i don't think so but like the rams here are yeah you use the term moribund there like you know down pretty much starters 
everywhere on the offense. I'd still love to see them take it, to be honest, just because screw the Raiders. But um, yeah, look, this is a this is not a good game. Not going to be worth watching. You might see some good highlights. That's about it. Um, so yeah, like just watch this on playback maybe. Uh, next up, we've got our early slate for Sunday. Minnesota, Detroit. This is your pick, Sean. Me and Fitz have gone for Minnesota, but you are backing your Detroit Lions. Yes. It's the ultimate battle of good versus evil. Um, the uh, the Vikings are somehow ten and two, and this is a clincher for them in terms of their division. If they win this, they win their division. They're going to win the division anyway. But this is a chance for Detroit Lions to stop it happening in their building. I mean, the Lions are they they looked. I mean, their season's been really interesting in terms of like the offenses look really explosive whenever all their pieces have been together, but their defenses look terrible, and so they've been playing out like 38, 35 games, but. In the last five weeks, I think they're, they've, they've beaten basically everybody except the Bills. Their defense has improved considerably, and their offense is, is still as good as ever. So now they look honestly like one of the, the best teams in the NFC, or at least one of the most exciting teams to watch, uh, and definitely a team that is a match for anyone. Whereas the Vikings, I mean, I've talked about the Vikings an awful lot um, this season, much more than I would want to talk about them. They are a mild upgrade on last season because they've got better coaching and they've got Justin Jefferson making the next uh, step up, but they're still a team with numerous flaws, Kurt Cousins and the defense being the two most obvious ones. So I think it's going to be very interesting, a fun game, one of those fun red zone games where there's going to be lots of points scored. I mean, the real challenge is, is can the, how how well can the Lions defense step up and do what needs to be done? If they can do some damage, then they I can definitely see that the Detroit offense making a lot of hay against against this so-so Vikings uh, defense. So it should be a fun game, and I and I, and I hope that the Lions prevail because uh, there should be some some joy in the world. Yeah, I think the Vikings, if they win this game, clinch the division. So, you know, if they can get that done in, like, week 14, that's pretty good going. And, yeah, like, I think Detroit are on a really good run. They're a more fun IT team in terms of their identity. So I wouldn't mind seeing a Detroit win here. But I think Minnesota, they've shown a... On a surprising level of clutchness this season, whereas Detroit have been um, you know, mostly unclutched this season. So unless Detroit go out and stonk them like the, they did to the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, I just see Minnesota managing the edge this most likely in heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, that's what I get the feeling of as well. Next up, Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Uh, I've decided to go for Pittsburgh and you guys have gone for Bolts or more. Um, yeah, I'm going for a couple of weird ones in the AFC North this week. I think... Obviously, Baltimore are on backup quarterback with Huntley's going to be in there. This is a Baltimore offense that's not really been doing much, even with starting quarterback in there. They're a bit all over the shop. That said, this is a Pittsburgh team that, you know, similarly haven't been doing a ton on offense. They've got Pickett, they've got Pickens, they've been trying to figure out a few bits, and this is a defense from Baltimore that have been acting up pretty well. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to side with the Pittsburgh defense being able to take care of a backup quarterback i think on an offense that i haven't seen a ton happen this could go either way i'm happy to hear both sides of yeah i think this is one where this is a really big test for baltimore obviously in a, a dog fight for the division with cincinnati uh, and obviously in terms of the overall playoff hunt they've got a good record and they've got talent at most of their team but obviously lamar jackson probably out for this game we've seen tyler huntley step up and perform well for them he's obviously a very similar quarterback but he's more like say year one lamar jackson where the passing aspect is very very raw and that passing game has just been really moribund in recent weeks uh you've seen mark andrews not have a great game for a few like since his injury you know you're, you're relying on like devin duvernay or deshaun jackson to step up on big Bring- Back, I say, a likely. 
yeah, they're, they're, well, I think he's injured at the moment, so that's why he hasn't been as much ah, involved. Right, but, right, um, right. you know, there's just no consistency to offense because they don't have a run game and they don't have any kind of guys who are just moving the chains at the moment. And so the whole thing is just very explosive dependent. And, you know, they're good enough to have those occasionally. And Huntley, you know, maybe a fully healthy Huntley is better than the kind of banged up Lamar we've been dealing with recent weeks. But against this Pittsburgh defense, which has really come into its own again once uh, TJ Watt came back, um, you know, this is going to be a really big test. But this, you know, on the other hand, the Baltimore defense will be playing really well, though they'll be missing Patrick Queen possibly for this game. So this feels like a classic AFC North it grinded really out have. December game oh, that could yeah. be like the 10 and 9 we saw Baltimore win like last week. But, uh, you know, either given that, either team could definitely win. So I think Pittsburgh, they're growing. Baltimore seems to be faltering. So Pittsburgh are a solid pick here, I think, Connor, as a, as a hero pick. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly see the logic in it. Um, but uh, it's... I don't know. I, I think this Baltimore team are quite good, even if they haven't quite been showing it. And they always bring their A game for the for the Steelers. Um, and I just, I don't know, this this Pittsburgh offense, I'm still not convinced there's anything much to it. I mean, I agree, it's going to be an AFC North grind fest, but uh, yeah, I think the Ravens will just edge it. Next up, we have uh, Houston traveling to Dallas. Uh, Ronan, how many points will Dallas put up here? The ballot, Texas. Yeehaw! Yeah, all the points. Uh, just how many of those come from the Dallas defense, basically, is the only question. But uh, mm. expect Kyle Allen to be turned into a fine paste and for Zeke and Pollard to run all over this pathetic Houston defense. Uh, I don't think they'll need 24 points in their defense like Cleveland did, but, uh, you know, absolute destruction probably here for Dallas. Yeah, next up, Jets at Buffalo. We've gone for Buffalo across the board. Oh, so yeah, we've gone for Dallas across the board in the last one as well. Yeah. Buffalo across the board in this one. Um, so obviously, look, Mike White's here. Can this... Jets team keep up with Buffalo. We have seen Buffalo come down to earth once or twice in uh, in some games. I think uh, didn't the Jets win the first round of this this year? Am I remembering did, that? Yeah. yeah. So like you know, can healthy Allen and this now upgraded like Jet Buffalo team do something against this quite high level uh, New York Jets defense? And on top of that, there is also that side question of now. They can taste blood. Like, if they can get this, the Chiefs have dropped another game. Buffalo are back in the running for the Terst overall seed. This is the kind of game that could be a stumbling block for them, but they're at home. Uh, this is a division rival. Will they be able to get it done? Like, we certainly seem to think so. But I wouldn't... I'm not I'm not fully counting out the Jets, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can tell... I mean, the Jets are a really good team, as, as we talked about. I, I, I think the big problem for me is that, okay, they're both defenses are... are you know, uh, play at a really high level, and it's going to be fun to watch it if you're a defensive purist. But I just this this Jets offense just it's just still not right. Even though they've taken out the part that's worked that was working the least, they still got a lot of work to do in that offensive side. Versus this Bills offense, even with Allen not being 100%, they're still a team capable of putting up say 30 points against a good uh, defense on their day. So for me, I think that's the difference. I just don't think that this Jets offense is going to going to do enough to to take down the Bills. That said, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it'll be close, it'll be interesting, and it'll probably be defensive, but I think that the Bills will edge it. Yeah, like this is, the, I'm almost tempted to do a hero pick here, but we'll stick with Buffalo because of the class there. I think the big thing for, here, for me here with Buffalo is that, you know, against the New England Patriots last week, they went for a, you know, clock control, run the ball. You saw a lot more of James Cook in there alongside Singletary. Uh, not something we've seen a lot from Buffalo this year, but something given the quality of defensive backs the Jets have, that seems to make sense there. If they can get the ball, ro- if they can get the ball rolling on the ground here, and maybe a little bit of Allen sprinkled in there to keep the defensive linebackers on their on their back feet, that's something 
something that could give them that edge that they need for the rest of the season and grind out this tough game. Because I can't really see them like scoring like uh, 50 points against this Jets defense. So they're going to have to keep it close and they, they haven't necessarily been that good in those kind of close games historically in the Josh Allen era. So yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game for Buffalo, a really good test for them, but we'll edge it to them just based on the, the level of class they have. But look, the Jets, the defense really good. Mike White's given that offensive Phillip. Um, so definitely can't count them out in this game. Yeah, next up we have Cleveland Cincinnati. That's uh, my pick of the week. I've gone for Cleveland. You boys gone for Cincy. Um, yeah, it's just a weird one. So I, I think Cincinnati are in flying form at the moment. They come off a big, massive win against the Chiefs. Um, their defense was looking pretty good. And yeah, overall, you'd think they'd definitely be the team to be picking in this one. However, I think a little bit of maybe, uh, you know, big following a big game. This is when you're kind of primed for a letdown happening. And this is a Cleveland team that, you know, I... I don't let the band, but it's probably upgraded from where they were uh, at quarterback if he's kind of getting into the game properly. And for some reason, this is weird. The way that the Bengals are to the Chiefs in terms of kryptonite, the Browns are to the Bengals. Um, they haven't won one in the 2020s yet. Like they are, they are 0 and 6, I think, um, against against the Browns. So like they just not. They've not been able to get out of their own way against them, so I think that's why it might be prime for an old kind of ah shite. The same mistakes come back to haunt them again, like the actually more like the Chiefs and the Colts and anything else. Because Cincinnati are definitely the class of this. But I would imagine, like we said, so a big performance from the Cleveland defense last week. We can see that happening again. See if they can try and get up in their way. We saw within the Chiefs game that the Chiefs were getting some success on the ground against Cincy. This is a team that has proper thunder and lightning on the ground will be able to just grind and pound their way through it if they want without needing to go to the to the pass game the cleveland won't back away from the run game like the chiefs did at certain points uh in the game against them and so i think like they do have the pieces to to set up to lose and if i'm wrong it's gonna be great because then i get to watch uh an awful piece of shit and get the absolute crap pounded out of them by the cincinnati uh defensive line yeah, you got to break the curse by having the other team curse itself more with Deshaun <laughs> Watson. And like, look, like that that game last week against Houston, Cleveland's offense did nothing. Even Nick Chubb did nothing. So unless they make a huge step up this week, I don't have any reason to believe that this is going to be competitive. Uh, which I would say is fun. Will be fine to see because Cincinnati are a fun team. We're going to see them in the playoffs. So like Cincinnati are playing like as I said, they're not just the team they were last year where they had the explosive plays and they're you know so exciting with Jamar Chase and Burrow and just the you know the shot plays um, on the on the alert rights. But this year, much more mature. They're running the ball okay despite not having Mixon. They're passing more of the Higgins and Boyd underneath. Uh, Hayden Hurst is out of this game, unfortunately, but he's been solid tight end position. Uh, so I just like Cincinnati overall, and they should take care of business here, in my opinion. But, you know, can't can't necessarily uh, you know, rule out curses completely, but uh, I think they'll break the... <laughs> Well, I think they'll break the curse here because, you know, I think yeah. Yeah. Cleveland have done something worse than themselves. Yeah. Uh, next up, Sean, Jacksonville at Tennessee. You've gone for Tennessee across the board. Now they finally got rid of that GM. Like, I guess there's nothing stopping them now. Yes. <laughs> the one thing holding them back, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously this is – it breaks my heart a little bit to give for, go for Tennessee here. Obviously I have big hopes of Jacks, the Jags, but they've uh, they've really fallen off a cliff in the – Last week was pretty terrible. Uh, you know, the, the last four or five weeks, aside from that that one win against the Ravens, they've been a bit all over the place. Whereas the Titans are, are grinding. We know that they're not quite as good as the elite teams in the AFC the, or the NFC. The, 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 the Bengals and the Eagles took care of them. But they're pretty good at beating bad to mediocre teams. They, they're very good at 
grinding it out on both sides of the ball. So I think they they should be comfortable enough here. That said, I hope that this is the the motivation the Jags need to turn it around. That I finally turned against them means that now they'll go on a massive win streak <laughs> um, because that's that's how things go with me. But uh, yeah. Titans should be comfortable here. That's the hope. We've got Titans across the board there. Philly at New York. Uh, we've gone for Philly across the board here. We hope they're kind of rounding into form again. We mentioned already the Giants are kind of going down, whereas Philly are kind of coming back up. Um, it's, it's like it's hard to look past Philly here in this one because I think this this division is going to come down to Philly and and and, and the Cowboys. Um, but yeah, like. I suppose you could see them getting stuck in a trenches game, particularly if the weather's bad and maybe the Giants being able to kind of gut it a bit, but they've got a good run game as well. So, yeah. It, it's a narrow like road to victory for the Giants, but that's been true all season. They need to get Saquon Barkley going again. That's going to be really tough against one of the better defensive lines in the league, especially now that Jordan Davis is back and the defensive line and reinforcements they brought in in recent weeks in Sue and Joseph. So... Yeah, that's going to be tough to get going. At least Daniel Dimes last week seemed to get going a little bit more aggressively in the past game, making some deep shots to Slayton. So at least there's something else going in the offense after a few weeks of just looking completely lost. And the defense for the Giants is good, like, but is it good enough to shut down uh, this Philly team? Like Tennessee have a pretty good defense and they get absolutely destroyed by Philly last week. So this is a really tough ride for victory for Giants. But, you know, their playoff hopes are very much on, on the line right now. Yeah. So they have everything to play for, play, off, play for here. But Philly, I see them clinching the division here and another comprehensive victory. They just seem to be, after a somewhat of a mid-season swoon, rolling back into the team we saw in the season who just could beat anyone in every day. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs at Denver, we've gone for Chiefs across the board. The, the big question is, Denver defense, can they slow down Mahomes? They tend to play the Chiefs very well, so I'd imagine that this will not be as clear-cut as you'd imagine looking at it on paper. Uh, can Russell Wilson show us anything, really, at this point? Like, can he, as I mentioned previously, and it's still it's still ongoing, the race to see whether Russell Wilson can throw as many touching as many passing touchdowns as he does have toilets in his house at the moment and it is becoming a nail biter because he's not getting there um but yeah we've got chiefs cross he needs over a touchdown a game at this point i believe so i think so it's yes intense yeah so um yeah just put it like look chiefs should do it it's a decent get right game for them but this is a defense that does tend to show up and you know it will be very russell wilson to show up for this one to try and get the fans back on side it's a home game for denver like you get there's a couple of bits that could go but like yeah like the smart money would be on chiefs here uh tampa bay at san francisco uh me and sean have gone for tampa bay and fitz has gone for san francisco i'm very torn on my tampa bay choice on this one um but i did have a oh yeah it's, it's not a it's not a choice made out of love, but it's a choice made out of necessity. I mean, it, it's Tom Brady against a rookie quarterback. He's like seven. He's called Brock against... Purdy. He was literally yeah, it's... The, like the first gym leader in Pokemon Potato Man. <laughs> he also kind of sounds like the regen. Like, you know, if you're going to regen Tom Brady in NFL, like in, in Madden, it would be like Brock Purdy. That's like a close enough approximation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. That. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's the AI generated art version of Tom Brady. Yeah, like I think, like I suppose because I'm picking San Francisco, you guys talk about Tom Brady more, but like I think, look, the defense is the biggest factor here. The defense has been dominant all year. They've been really shutting down bad offenses, middling offenses, good offenses. They've really made life tough. And you know, uh, the, the the you know the <laughs> the stereotype is if you get Tom Brady off his spot, you can get, rush up the middle. It makes his life more difficult. And you know, I think obviously he showed some of that rhythm towards the end of last 
last game, but uh, you know we just saw Tua, who's been one of the most rhythm passers in the league this year, get totally thrown off by the San Francisco defense. So this is going to be a really tough game, I imagine, for Tom Brady. But you know I'm never going to count touchdown Tom out, so I think he can probably get something done and probably perform a little bit better than some of these other quarterbacks because he's so um, he's so mature around this kind of stuff. But it, this is going to be really tough for him. Um, but I think you know on the other hand, you know like the San Francisco offense with. Br- Purdy I don't expect it to be explosive but I could see it putting up like 20-ish points and I think that could be enough to get it done here CMC despite the knock seems to be playing okay uh, they have all the yards after the catch monsters they need and Ayuk and Debo and Kittle um, so he doesn't he just needs to get the ball out there get some yards get a few touchdowns down there and they can probably just about get this done but you know the Tampa Bay defense is getting better so yeah really tough game overall for San Francisco uh, after the loss of Jimmy G but uh, a good test of where they're likely to be at the end of the season against this Tampa Bay team which has been very difficult to get a read on. Yeah, I don't expect this to be a phenomenal game in terms of offensive production, but I just, you talk about who you trust. I mean, you, tr- you trust Trump Beatty, even with the, the way the season's been going to, to pull it out. He, I mean, even just the, the ego, he will not allow himself to be beaten by some some random rookie. And I mean, okay, Bert Purdy looked very good, or looked reasonably good against Miami, but I mean, you know, he's, you always get a little bit of a bounce when, as a, a new player coming into a game usually. So, I mean, it's just teams will be prepared for him now. The, the books will at least presumably have some tape on him. They will, they will go for him. And it's it's under the lights, you know. It's a, it's a big stage and it's he's had a week to think about it. There's going to be a lot of more psychological pressure than just throwing a, a guy randomly into a game with no prep. So, I just I just feel that the, the, the experience of Brady leading this team will be enough to, to see them pass a, a San Francisco team that, yeah, it's it's hard to see this offense doing an, an awful lot um, uh, against against what is a pretty good, a pretty decent Bucks defense, even if they don't show it all the time. Yeah, but there is, a, there is that side element of everyone's trying to make the whole passing of the torch. Tom Brady gets to, you know, a, a Super Bowl against Mahomes or Allen and passes over. This would be a great one if Brock Purdy, uh, like no one was expecting anything out of this late round rookie who's come in because their starter is injured and that all of a sudden takes over the team that Tom Brady wanted to play for, the San Francisco 49ers, and leads them to victory. Like, it would, it would make for an excellent uh, made-for-TV film. So uh, I'm, I'm going to keep, keep that option open. But, yeah, yeah, especially because you could probably bring in Jimmy G as like a guest star because he's going to be so yeah. hot in like five years and just like have him there on the sideline well, cheering Jimmy, his guy on Jimmy G would basically just make perfect for that um, you know like he's a Blue Mountain State the quarterback who all he wants to be is the backup quarterback so he can have the benefits of a quarterback lifestyle without having to ever get hit or play um, <laughs> but yeah um, but yeah me and Sean for Tampa Bay fits for San Fran I can see either side of that one Carolina at Seattle we've gone for Seattle across the board Seattle I struggle a little bit recently but like this is Sam this is a Sam Darnold led Carolina team with you know there's a Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard like it's not exactly weapon central um, you're at home yeah. you gotta like Geno Smith is playing well You've got the you got the slight knock on the running backs, but like you got it. If you can't beat Carolina at home, then fuck off out of the fucking playoffs. <laughs> well, I'm kind of getting that direction. Like Gino is not the like Gino's playing really well. Like he's really good, but the rest of the team is questionable. Kenneth Walker may not play in this game. The rest of the running back depth is banged up. The defense has been really bad outside of some you know turnovers been made by guys like Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. Um, so you could definitely just see a game here where similar to how the Panthers beat the the Broncos a couple of weeks ago. You know they just run the ball right down the throats of the Seattle defense with Dante Foreman. And, you know, Sam Darnold shows up with a few explosive plays to DJ Moore, 
since he actually seems to have any relationship with DJ Moore, which we said for more than said for other quarterbacks there. So I'm certainly not taking this as a definite win, just like I wasn't that definite about the Rams win last week. Um, the win against the Rams last week. But yeah, like look, Seattle have shown more this season. They have at least more excitement about them because they have more rights to victory than just, you know, Dante Foreman. Uh, but I'm I'm a little bit worried about this game, but I'm going to pick Seattle. I'm going to put a little bit of fright faith in them and see if they can get another win here. It'll be key to giving them at least a shot at making the wildcard spot at the end of the season. Yeah, seems fair enough. Uh, next up is your pick of the week, Ronan. You've gone for Miami at chargers so obviously banged up miami a chargers team that have massively underperformed and lost to the fucking raiders last week so um yeah tell us about it yeah yeah i think you know it's a really interesting game for miami obviously a team which has been roaring ahead uh, for most of this season they've they've had a really good season here and then you know it kind of all came to a stop last season, last week right like they placed against san francisco they get their you know they get a punch in them out two is injured waddles injured the offensive line is banged up uh, you know that was the week before you know so suddenly a lot more questions about the offense than there would have been so you know they get a really good chance here to kind of show that they can make up for that against the really bad defense the chargers run defense has been bad so this is a good opportunity to see if you can get jeff wilson and raheem Mostert going again after a few quiet weeks this is a good opportunity to obviously see if tyree kill can burn this uh defense deep a few times and just kind of show that Okay, nothing to worry about. Ori LAX, we can all relax here. Miami, they're a genuine playoff contender and maybe even a Super Bowl contender. As for the Chargers, they're in really a tough position right now. The AFC playoff hunt is really, really tough. They're not going to beat the Chiefs in the AFC West. So it's all about those wild cards where teams like the Jets and, and the Dolphins and others are around. So, you know, this is the kind of teams that they need to be winning. But everything around this team is just a little bit off. The defense has been terrible under their so-called, uh, you know, defensive genius Brandon Staley. I see like I see that every week, but uh, it's true. It's a really bad defense where guys must be good at defenses. Um, and the offense has just been so, so like Herbert, you still see flashes of the Justin Herbert, who is a, a world beater. I know Connor, you're like, no, he's terrible. He's like, whatever. But not I know you're not terrible, actually like that, but, but like, what world is overhyped. he beaten? Yeah, well, that's the problem. Like, he plays for the Chargers, and they're not. They're, 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 like, it doesn't yeah. feel like the Chargers are putting him in position to win. They're playing a I'm sure, really I'm sure, strange. I'm sure you see that large, large swings of the internet now are talking about how it's terrible and he has no weapons around him, and how like it's awful he has to do it all himself. I'm like, this is the man who every single year you say has every weapon around him. We're going to win this thing. Like, I'm just fucking do something with it. Change the change the offense or change the fucking record. Yeah, I think that the offense could be like I think the problem is that he's carrying this offense and he's still showing why he's a great prospect. But this offense, in terms both in terms of play calling and the playmakers around him at the moment, is probably. I think Keenan Allen coming back has made a huge difference. He finally has a guy you can just rely on. Mike Williams probably not back for this game, but if he came back, that would be a huge you know increase in their chances of winning this game Austin Eckler's been playing really as well this year especially in the past game although they could really do it more of a traditional running game to complement you know just making Herbert do everything for them uh, mm. but it's just this defense is why I think we're all picking Miami the defense has just been such a shit show and so pathetic particularly with the injuries in recent weeks have just taken even a step below where it already was that it's really hard to pick the Chargers right here but like they're six and six their you know season is pretty much on the line so on Sunday night football we've seen the Chargers step up get big wins so I wouldn't count them out but Miami Definitely, no, I will say if two, is, if two is out, I'm probably going to swap this to a Chargers. One. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I think two will play, but I think you know the Miami defense they, they obviously traded for uh Bradley Chubb, they've been a bit better since then, but I still wouldn't consider them to be elite. So, yeah. you know, Herbert but also like the shouldn't like, have like, the, like every, the, every member of the Chargers defense has already got muscle memory for getting the absolute shit ripped out of them by Tyree Kill. So, like, yeah, I imagine that's <laughs> just going to happen again. <laughs> 
That just um, that just makes you feel less sad. It doesn't stop it happening. I find. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, Miami favorite here, but Miami favorite here, but maybe not where they would have been, you know, two weeks ago in terms yeah. of that uh, line. Last up, uh, New England at Arizona. I've gone for Arizona. You guys have gone for New England. Uh, yeah, Sean, but like. Yeah, it's a real kind of contrast in, in philosophies and style. You've got the the Pats, who are the most probably the most consciously boring team in history. They're just kind of grind it out, and uh, versus the the chaos engine of the Cardinals. And I just, I mean, chaos is fun and everything, but you got to trust Belichick will do things uh, and will manage this. Um, take out take out the strongest weapon, uh, Hopkins uh, or Hollywood, and then yeah. The, the Cardinals won't have much to do otherwise. I mean, I could see it being... The thing is, the problem is, it's either going to be an exciting game that the Cardinals win, or it's going to be a really boring game that the Pats win. And this has been a problem as a Pats fan all year. You're you're <laughs> praying for bad games. Um, so hopefully this will be a really bad game. But uh, are, we, the Cardinals are we the bad think, guys? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Undoubtedly, the Pats are the bad guys, yes. Um, but yeah, if the... Cardinals are knocked off their rhythm, which I think that could be easy to do. Then that chaos just doesn't work very well and just becomes chaos. And so I think we, you got to trust the Pats here to get it done. Yeah. Uh, like one thing I'd say for Arizona, they get DeAndre Hopkins. They should have Hollywood Brand. They should have James Conner. So in theory, for like probably the first time this season, they'll have all of their arrayed talents together. And interested to see if the offense at least looks somewhat consistent with that put yeah. together. I also think that the kind of weird, mad chaos that is their offense is exactly the. Like it's it's the one kind of one that Belichick can't necessarily scheme for because none of it makes sense and none of it is planned. So there's nothing, nothing can go like I'm gonna force him into a second read because I don't think Kyler Murray knows what a second read is. So like yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Full full strength Arizona coming off a bye week, going up against this New England team who have to travel to them. Ah, I'm gonna give the Arizona Cardinals a shot. I think second read is more of a battlefield thing, not a Call of Duty thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just tell him it's double XP for wins this week, and he'll uh, he'll <laughs> lock it down. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. So any any crack for the weekend with yourselves, let's. Uh, World Cup. I think we're getting to the the business end now. We've got quarterfinals. Spain just uh, lost. Friday, is that Saturday. right? Yeah, they went out on penalties uh, in uh, to to Morocco just there, which is. Quite an upset. Uh, I love. I like Morocco though; they're a good team. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully England will get knocked out on Saturday, so we'll have all be able to enjoy the World Cup from that point onwards. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, There's always a tension for from all sides. <laughs> yeah. England are hanging around. Four years ago it was awful because it was like the second last game before they were knocked out, and it was like God. So we're all rooting really for the Frenchies, the Frenchies, <laughs> and Mbappe yeah. to to give them a good spanking on uh, on Saturday. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do mini Christmas this Friday, so we're gonna do like kind of Christmas dinner and do our present swaps then um, before we head down to the to the families and so on. And, uh, and then I think I got a bit of D and D on Sunday, followed by the Dublin Wolves uh, Christmas party. So an exciting one this weekend for me. And I've taken Monday off because I've got a lump of flexi leave I have to use by the end of the year. So. <laughs> Um, well, I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week. So it's bye from myself, bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from John. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.